we need to get into uh, some of the it. tactics for fixing some, because, you know, I, and this is my experience. Now, I'm not only a dog trainer, I was also a client. You know, when I first went to, which is something I might be saying sooner than rather than later, if anybody gets that reference. Um, it's an old commercial. Anyway. Um, Probably too old for me to know what it be, is. Could be. Uh, I've struggled with my dog. I gave her all of my very first dog, long before I, I went to training classes at McCann Dogs, before my vet, my vet said, listen, you got to get some training for her. Head over there to McCann Dogs because this is not going to work otherwise. Um, but, you know, giving me that information because I was struggling so much. I'd made so many bad choices and I had... I was just trying to collect information as best I could. You know, the internet wasn't as popular a thing then, so, but, you know. Way back in the day. Yeah, it was, I mean, yes. That's pretty, <laughs> I, this is, that's two references I shouldn't have made that I will never, I won't recover from for like a month with her. But, uh, you know, I, I was struggling and I was looking for information and I didn't know what to do. So we're going to give you some sort of rules of thumb that are going to help you through some of those struggles. And these are some things that you can apply to. We're going to use specific examples likely, um, but you can apply them to whatever the situation is. We're going to take a little higher level look. So I want you to think like a dog trainer would think. How am I going to take this information and apply it to my troubleshooting mm -hmm. what I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. So let's jump into the first thing. Uh, Dan Luton, old man, Ken Steve. Yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Just for Dan. Old man, Steve. <laughs> yep. <coughs> We're going to break this down a couple different ways, but one of the first things we wanted to talk to you guys about was that of having expectations. And there's sort of a couple different directions that we can go with this, but what we find sometimes happens is people, when they are struggling with their dog not listening um, to something, sometimes the issue is their expectation of what the dog should be doing in that moment is actually not realistic. It's either the expectation's too big or the expectation's too small. Um, and unfortunately, I guess it sort of goes both ways. We often try to encourage people to have high expectations and, and realize that, you know, an eight-month-old dog can have a reliable recall. And there's lots of things that you can do. But I think sometimes what happens is people get themselves into scenarios where they expect the dog to listen or to know things, but they haven't really done the work and the, the grunt work to get there. And then they're often, you know, easily disappointed that their dog's not listening when if you look at sort of the history of the training in order to get there, it just hasn't existed. So people have this expectation of the dog, you know, being able to do something, but, you know, the dog just falls short and then we get frustrated because we put the dog in a situation where yeah. they're not able to make good choices. And that could be examples like, you know, walking with your dog in distractions or taking them to the park and letting them run around and, you know, being frustrated why they're not coming back when you call them or leaving them loose in your house without crating them and wonder why they've they've, you know, destroyed your, your stuff at home. Well, have you worked through all of those things and trained them um, in order to actually reach the point where you can have, it is going crazy in here right now. I yeah. literally feel like it's Halloween. Look how green it is. I know. It's very exciting. Uh, it's very <laughs> green back there. Um, so OVP has dropped a super chat. We're going to get to that. Let's just finish. We're, I'll, I'll definitely hold this one, Ovi. Uh, I was almost what? done that. Anyway, yeah. Actually. Okay. This is good. Yeah. Let's talk about this because this is, uh, this is also, this also speaks a little bit to expectations. Okay. So we're going to to jump let's finish your thought let's go to OV's I, I, question. Did, I was pretty much finished okay mm -hmm. so OVP with the super chat five dollar super chat thanks for dropping the super chat thank chats. you and you'll see 
Look at how green it is. Oh, it's very do you much like fun. that sound Ovi says, uh, our eight-week-old toy poodle oh, con continuously, we have a toy poodle, by the way, continuously chews on the house line. How do I make mm. it stop? He isn't food motivated. He just loves one toy that we use to train. So uh, let's talk a little bit about using the house line before we move on to uh, our yeah. next point. A lot of people are apprehensive to use a house line. And for those of you who aren't sure what a house line is, we highly recommend when you're training your dog to have some type of leash or line attached to their collar any moment, every moment that they are out of their crate so that we always have a way to um, really easily get control of our, our puppies. But when we first introduced the house line, especially the first day day or so that they're home, um, it's very distracting for dogs. They want to bite it, they want to chew it, they want to play with it. It's like having this extra appendage that they were never used to and they're very excited about it. It's another toy. Yeah, it, it looks like a toy for sure. Um, so it's very important that you supervise your dog very closely and each time the puppy goes to play with the line or pick it up, that you're discouraging that. We like to use things like leave it or um, leave it would be the most normal thing that we would say in that moment. And we would go over and remove the, the line from the puppy's mouth and then we would redirect them to something else. Um, a lot of it is a lot of consistency, but what I find a lot of people do is they get frustrated so they take the line off. Right. So the dog wears it so infrequently that it's like it's new exciting thing each time that it comes on. Um, whereas we find our puppies literally wear it so much that they're excited for the first day or so and then they're over it because it's just there all the time and we don't let them lie down and chew on it and make a big deal out of it. So you need to interrupt and address it very, very quickly. Um, and then the second question I think was about the food, only having a toy. Yeah. Training with the toy is no problem. I would definitely work on building your dog's food motivation because you will find a lot of training is way easier when you're doing it with food rather than introducing new things with toys. Um, so you may consider, you know, changing up the way that you're feeding your dog, maybe switch to more meal feeds or feed from your hand for a while to get the dog accustomed to it, switch up the food that you're using, um, but I would definitely invest a little bit of time um, on that if you can. Caroline, dropping the $5 super chat. Thank you, Shandy. She's so cute. I know. Um, okay, let me just catch that. Uh, Caroline dropped a super chat. I've got to get back to it. Give me a moment. Where did it go? And Maya also just dropped a super chat. So Caroline asks, and I like this question because we're going to get a little bit to, to a point that's going to be related to this. Uh, Caroline asks, can a playpen in the living room be an acceptable substitute for a second crate? Absolutely, it's actually a great idea because it's yeah. maybe even more portable. The, 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 the danger, caveat, is to make sure it's appropriately sized. Yeah. So if your puppy's having accidents in your home or you know, making bad choices or whatever, um, uh, make sure that they don't have too much room that they can go potty in one corner and then go snooze in, in another. So the great thing about a playpen is you can often, they're like sectional, so you can adjust the size of it. Yeah. If you're not having potty training problems, then you can give them more room. It's a, it's a, I love that potty idea. Potty training problems or like other behavioral problems. Like if your right. puppy's in there and doing a lot of barking or jumping up on the side of the fence, um, the area and things like that, then I would discourage it and use it a crate for now. But yeah, those things are important. The other thing that we don't do if we are using a playpen is we're really selective about what's in the playpen with our dog. Um, so we wouldn't just have like random toys or, you know, necessarily a lot of bedding and things like that in the beginning when their babies are, when the uh, puppies, puppies are quite young yep. um, because they tend to want to rip the bedding apart or yeah. like, you know, chew things. So we would have them access, definitely access to things to play in there for sure. But they would be things that um, the dogs couldn't um, hurt themselves with or rip apart. So they would be like bones or um, chew toys, not 
not play toys, not tug toys, or <laughs> like bees ripping apart one right now. Yeah. Not actually, she's shaking it with her head. She's but, playing with it. Um, yeah, so that's what we would suggest So there. we're going to get to uh, one of the most important elements of dog training in general in just a second. Uh, I want to answer uh, Maya's question, but um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, expectations, uh, beyond expectations, leadership, and how you can really position yourself uh, and position your dog to make better choices. First, we're going to answer Maya's question. Any suggestions with a dog who's a picky eater? Yes. Um, picky eaters are usually fall under these categories. Number one, don't get offended, but dogs are generally overweight and overweight dogs don't or, want to eat more or overfed. Food. Yeah. yeah. Or overfed. Um, so watch the amount of food that you're giving the dog. Um, number two, you might have to be creative with the type of treats or food that you're using with your dog. Um, sometimes store-bought treats are not really dog's favorite, even though they seem like they would be. So you can try things like chicken wieners. I so actually what I have to use for training tonight, uh, for our demo in a moment. Um, cheese, leftover chicken breast, um, you know, high, high value treats. Um, and then the last thing is um, how you feed your dog. Um, a lot of people are just prone to putting food down and just kind of like leaving it and letting the dog kind of eat when they want and then not eat when they don't want. And we really discourage you from doing that. We are big believers, believers in meal feeding, which yeah. means you put food down, you give them X amount of time to eat. Typically for our dogs, well, they usually eat in about two, two minutes. But even when the puppy's seconds. separated from the others. Yeah, we would give them like 10 minutes tops to eat um, and whatever they don't finish in 10 minutes, we would remove and then put back down either at lunch and dinner, depending on the dog's age and how many times we were feeding a day. Yep. Um, we wouldn't just let them graze at the food. And for uh, to be honest with you, for a lot of my younger dogs, um, some of their meals or at least one meal a day, I hand feed to them. Um, and I do that to build a bond with my puppy. I do it to, you know, work in some training, response to name, focus, just to teach them about, um, you know, food and, and stuff coming comes from me and that and that that's enjoyable so hopefully a couple of those things will be helpful too yeah we need to thank julia for the super sticker uh, we do appreciate it and caroline's thank husband you, jeffrey said will wearing a covid mask be upsetting to a puppy so there's sort of a mixed we've seen a so we've uh, started uh classes again you know uh we slowly been, slowly <laughs> we're bringing in students we've sort of set up our facility so that there's lots of space to work and you know created sectioned off training yeah. stations for each person yeah but we uh require that anyone entering the building wears a mask mm -hmm. and um there's been sort of uh the dogs haven't been as i would say like 98 percent of, of the puppies and dogs right. haven't noticed there's right. been a couple that at first are like hey that's a bit different yeah um but very quickly they're over it so. yeah and something you can very easily do with your puppy is put the mask on and take it off yeah i mean just simply put it on and take it off play with the puppy put the mask on do maybe, something fun yeah do do something but just the, the act of putting it on and taking it off is a nice way to sort of gently introduce it to them and desensitize mm -hmm. them to it we need to talk about leadership and why that's an imperative that. part. I mean, it's it's really, this is the thing that really made the biggest difference is a, a real understanding of what good leadership means when I'm training a dog or when I was training my first dog um, to help them to be successful, but to really give me some guidance. Let's talk about why leadership is so important, especially when you're struggling at home with, uh, you know, a nuisance behavior or, you know, a, a skill that's not going right. Yeah, I think um, leadership is sort of a big word that sort of gets thrown around, around in dog training quite often. And it's like, you know, what does that actually mean? Um, but 
you know, dogs really love when their humans show good leadership skills because for a lot of dogs, it really gives them a lot of confidence. Um, and when your dog sees you as, um, you know, a leader or somebody that you're worth listening to, um, a lot of errors or issues that you end up having with your dog are a little bit more easy to fix because they're they're interested in pleasing you. They're They're not, you know, innately defiant or things like that they just they're more likely to to follow in um you know it's it's really important as a leader one of the ways you can show your dog that you're a good leader is being able to read situations for your dog and knowing whether you should you know push them on something or whether you should like you know take the pressure off them a little bit because this is so important like and this is really the difference between you know, a dog owner, a dog owner who's like gonna gonna struggle for longer, and, and one who's gonna when you can identify that my dog's having trouble here, like you be very yeah. aware. It's not about the skill; it's about your dog, your dog's motivation and their ability to be successful and stay motivated. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. Yeah, no, no, that it's, it's perfect. Um, a lot of it has to do with being able to recognize situations and know how you should make proper decisions for your dog. Um, you know, <laughs> Beeline definitely you know views both Ken and I as leaders, but she also views us as people that she can feel really safe with because she knows that we're not ever going to put her in a situation where she feels threatened or she feels worried. And if she is in those situations, she knows that she can depend on us not to coddle her and like baby her through it, but to make appropriate decisions so that she can relax about things because we just haven't let her down. And um, you probably, if you've watched this before, you've you've heard me say, you know, I choose my dog's friends wisely. So, you know, if I'm exposing my dogs to things, especially when they're young and they're really easily, easily impressioned. I will, you know, I want them to think that the world's full of sunshine and roses. I'm super cautious about the people that I let her meet, um, or the other dogs that I let her meet or the places that I take her or the sounds that she's going to be exposed to, because I want to make sure that a, I'm socializing her, but B, I'm also making sure I'm controlling things so that she really is confident and happy in all new situations. And I do that through giving her um, good leadership. Um, and then the other thing that's important to speak about in this topic is that good leaders are people who are um, non-emotional. Yeah. And this is important as well. So Yeah. So, and I think this is, uh, this is something that I learned. It's also something that's really valuable working the other way too. So you can't get upset. Like you mustn't allow yourself to get frustrated, angry. I mean, you need to stop. You're, you're in control of the training session. So you need to stop if you feel like you're reaching that point. Conversely, maybe your dog does something great. That's a great time to like pour on the, you gent, I, you can tell in classes a lot, you know, that we, or even online, you can see when people are genuinely excited because we review everybody's videos. You see when people are genuinely excited, you can see how that impacts the dog. Like it makes a big difference. Do you guys ever wonder why you're, I mean, you'll be watching a video and your dog's watching with you and Kale starts praising the dog and your dog's like, what is happening yeah, people here? Say, they like to listen to you on the TV. It's because I'm loud and squeaky and obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes a big difference. And I, I don't know if I want to get into the weeds on this, but there's a there's a study from the uh, University of Arizona, I think it was, that talked about how impactful that emotion, human emotion, can be for dogs. How yes. how impressionable your dogs are, how receptive they are, and how hypersocial they are. I see it all that, of that, the that, time. That's worth. It's worth getting into. It's way deeper than we need to that go into. That could actually be a cool live stream, huh? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Not this one though. We're going to deal with yeah. fixing fixing the problems that you've already got. So uh, leadership, and uh, so you talked about um, 
not getting upset. That's crucial, guys. Mm -hmm. You need to understand that if you feel like you're getting to that point, then you need to break, finish with a win you, that you know you can get then break the training off. A good yeah. leader doesn't uh, get frustrated and mad and you know, uh, it, you know, uh, insist that their dog does this thing just because I'm angry. Yeah. A good leader is a person that knows those knows those limits and, and and can work in and out of that yellow zone. You guys have heard us talk about that before, where it's like a little bit challenging, but probably going to be successful. And and then they can really give their dogs good information because they're setting them up to be right most of the time. And what does your dog uh, love? They love being right because then you can pour on the praise, yep. then you can reward them. You know, it's it's uh, it's really important that you guys do uh, really think about that in your training, each step along the way. Another important element that we talk about is it all the time. Like, I mean, this is something that you and I uh, uh, identify very quickly when we're working with our dogs. Yeah. Uh, if there's a little uh, issue that comes up is what are proactive versus reactive training. This is huge. If you're struggling with something, there's sort of two things that you need to know how to, you know, two steps you need to know. What am I going to do before that thing happens? And what am I going to do after they respond or after that thing happens if you aren't in control of it? So these are a couple of the things that we need to talk about when it comes to proactive versus reactive training. Let's jump into that in just a second. I see... Um, yes, actually, Betsy. Betsy's question actually can kind of lead into oh, one of the things Thank we're going to talk about. And she needs to, a toot toot. Thanks for the super chat. <laughs> and you see Deegan. Uh, that's the reason I'm sitting in front of you with a blue shirt is that adorable black lab driving that train. She's not a real conductor. <laughs> Betsy says, my dog has been barking at a lot of other dogs and he wants to say hi. And before COVID, people were more willing to let that happen. Let's talk about um, what Betsy should do proactively and, and how she should react in this situation. Yeah, your your question is extremely um, topical. Yeah, well-timed, Betsy, because one of my examples that I was going to use was literally walking your dog out on the street. So, you know, if you're walking your dog out on the street, you know, reactive um, dog training. <laughs> Thank you, Cialis. Thanks for joining us. Um, reactive dog training would be that person that, you know, is out for a walk and they're not really paying attention and all of a sudden people come up and they have another dog or they have a kid in a baby stroller or whatever it is and they aren't thinking about what their dog's going to do before they do it. They miss the moment, they allow the dog to react and now they have a dog that's either pulling crazy on the leash or um, barking or whatever it is. So now you have a heightened dog that's very stimulated and now you have to, to deal with it. And that's what we would call reactive dog training. And that is not what we suggest that you do. Um, that happens sometimes. Sometimes we miss the boat and we get into a situation where we need to, you know, um, correct the situation or redirect or whatever we need to do but that's not really what we want to do the best thing to do is to train in a proactive way so you know knowing your dog well knowing what certain triggers or distractions are going to be really difficult for your dog and then being ready for those things so Betsy if you know that your dog is prone to barking at other dogs when you see another dog up in the yonder you need to be ready to redirect your dog's attention to something else you might call their name and turn a different direction. You might have some of your dog's favorite treats or favorite reward out with you. And you can get your dog's attention with that and turn cross the street or go the other direction and get your dog accustomed to it. Um, you know, be proactive and, and um, you know, get ahead of things rather than waiting until you're like, oh no, there's another dog there. Now my dog's going crazy. Yeah. And now, you know, because what happens is even if you are able to diffuse the situation, it's very self-rewarding for dogs to bark at other dogs 
dogs or anything yeah. that matter. It doesn't matter what they're barking at. So if you miss that moment and your dog's been barking and barking and barking for a couple minutes before you are able to calm them down or redirect them, well, they've just been they've just been self rewarded for that. So it's really important. Um, I'll, I'll give you a similar example that I was going to say with actually Beeline is when she was younger, she would often be a little bit nervous about seeing people that she didn't know when we were out for a walk, say Ken. Yep. And um, so it would get to the point where somebody would come walking around the corner and she would start to spook bark or she would want to like growl and like go behind our legs. And she was like a little bit uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. This so, is really good. And I think I, I really want you to think about this at home, like how identify what the triggers are for your dog and what can you do to break things down to help them to be successful. So I apologize for jumping in, but go ahead. Just just keep jumping in, hon. Um, I'll jump right now, in. Now, what we know with Beeline is she loves, there's a few, she loves to do tricks, but there's a few tricks in particular that she really is like absolutely nuts over. And she also loves to play tug with me. So whenever yeah. we would take her for a walk, we would have some treats on us. We'd have some uh, one of her favorite tug toys hidden away. And as soon as she would see another person before she had a chance to get stressy, we would ask her to do a trick or we would get out the tug and start playing. And it actually got to the point where she would see a person and then she'd turn around and look at us as if like something fun's about to happen. So we changed to her trigger to feel positive rather than to feel stress. And that really, really helped. Um, it also bled over into like, if we would say like, hey, you know, hi, like, come on in or how's it going? Yeah, she doesn't react yeah, so anymore, this is but a, before... This is, but this is a really important thing for you guys to understand. So let's talk about, let's break that down. Yeah. Why, why was that something? And this is with no one around. Yeah. You could just say, oh, hey, how's it going? And Hi. she would react. Come so, on in. Right. So let's talk. Let's talk <laughs> about. Let's talk about why. What had happened there? How We've she been working a idea. lot on this with Beeline. So a while ago, if Ken and I were to do that, she would go bark, 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 and she'd be like all like stressy that somebody was coming in. So rather than waiting until somebody was actually there, Ken and I would practice with her. You know, pretending that we were saying hello to someone or asking them to come in, and then we would play with her or we would feed her or we would do fun things and you know you can see like her eyes are closed and she's like whatever you guys are crazy but I swear to you it did not look like this before we would right. get a reaction a stressy reaction yeah. so it was a matter of not waiting until those moments happen but be proactive with our training and stopping the mistakes from happening before they were even there because we were being strong leaders and and being clear about what we wanted to do and we went from a way of helping her and teaching her what we wanted rather than waiting until she makes mistake and then having to correct it. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to, you know, train her in the most positive, helpful way possible. Yeah. And I think this is also something we would do with, uh, so if your dog's afraid of thunder, um, uh, pause 271. Thanks for the super chat. Um, Hello. Using that, uh, using that same sort of idea. So we had a dog who was quite oh, afraid of thunder. And every time, oh, you are too. Um, every time, train. every time the thunder would uh, crash and bang, uh, we'd make a big deal of it. You know, that was, we had to react because you can't plan out thunder. You can do all sorts of things to kind of simulate it and, uh, you know, introduce loud noises, but it was specifically thunder. Yeah. So every time that the thunder would crack, we'd make a big deal and have a big play time. So that very quickly the dog, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't having that same fearful response. So um, uh, by setting the situation up with beeline with that um she hears us say hi hello uh thinks that someone new is entering the picture if we just repeat that hi hello thing over and over again it just softens that response because it's now it's like she's, a form of desensitization it is very much uh, rather than counter conditioning with the uh crashing of thunder and making a big deal of it mm -hmm. but 
what I wanted to get to a little bit is I saw someone uh, was mentioning they were worried that Tug, for example, was going to make the dog aggressive, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. I'm glad you asked that, though, it because is. I think that's a common misconception. It's one of my favorite toys to insist on relationship because it's a thing that only the dog and I can do. It's also great for burning off tons of energy. It allows so them to strut, like, get really high, and, uh, you know, I, I sort of bring them out of that a little bit. I get them really excited and, like, burn off some of that energy, and then when I say out, because... I'm all, I always want to be a good leader and be in control of these exercises. Yeah. I say out, the dog releases it. There's just so much learning that can happen with a game of tug. Uh, so I love using that. Let's jump to that super chat before I miss it. Um, so from pause 271, um, my Yorkie poo. I don't want, this is probably easier to read here. Also, thanks for turning the lights yellow. I think they're... It's, it's a nice new color. My Yorkie Poo is motivated by food, toys, and praise. Uh, I'm an over uh, on the road, a truck driver, and she's my best little friend. That's Aww. very cute. Um, but she's a complete maniac with no self-control on the leaf, leash, and she turns into a brat. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot of things uh, that are uh, kind of happening here, and it's hard to give you a blanket uh, statement, but identifying what are the things that, you know, when does she get super excited? Because yeah. uh, it's uh, physically impossible for her to be wild and crazy all the time. Is it just when you clip the leash on? And if that's the case, you have more, you don't have, any, there can't be a possible situation where you'd have more control to insist on a relaxed behavior. Like maybe just a simple sit. Like maybe that's the thing. You get out of the stop. Yeah. You know, you go out, uh, the dog gets her potty time, you do your thing, grab a drink or whatever. Um, and then you can work, you know, in some of those, uh, some grassy area, just working on some controlled, uh, thoughtful behavior, really reinforcing, working on things like, uh, Dan, maybe you can drop a link. We have stay videos. That's a great exercise for number one, leadership, number two, or control, leave or leave it exercise. Yep. Because it's getting, one thing that people so often overlook is the value of brain training. Yes. Like exercising your dog's brain can sometimes, it's not the same, but it's it, it really goes a long way in exercising their body because it burns off a lot of energy. I mean, really, we're just burning calories all yeah. over. So um, by doing some of these brain exercises with your dog that include really strong leadership choices like a stay, like a leave it. Yeah. I mean, that is a very good And like giving your dog an your alternative dog. behavior to just allowing right. her to turn into a maniac and a total brat. Um, you know, but sometimes, you, you know, people don't know what they should be doing instead. So, you know, giving the dog an alternative behavior is, is really, really helpful. Um, and again, this is just like working out for us because do you want to show them the what we were going to show them? Uh, With the thing behind you? Oh, yeah. Because this is sort of topical. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, this um, is a good exercise, and I think it'll be great for you guys. So one of the things that... Also gives um, me a chance to toot. <laughs> Actually, I do want to say one other um, example. I guess we could say it after, but the recall, both proactive and reactive. We'll just, we'll say that one after, I think. Um, one thing that I wanted to share with you guys about, like, you know, when your dog is acting a little crazy and they're, you know, overstimulated or bratty or whatever term you want to use, you know, often it's important to give your dog something else to do. Um, I did a, a private lesson um, a few days ago with somebody with a young um young puppy, um, about five, five or six months old. And the dog would go absolutely bananas when they would turn the, um, when the blender on. Oh, in the, that's in the, kitchen. the thing you want to do. Okay. The, uh, you guys are going to enjoy this. Did I you think. you still not know what I was I, talking about? I, I know we have a few things planned, oh. 
So that one's going to be good for these guys, I think. Uh, anyway, so every time they turn the blunder on, the dog would go absolutely psycho, like just so excited. So we worked through teaching this dog to sit calmly when the blunder would go on. So we had one family member pushing the on and off button on the blunder. We had another family member, um, you know, with a collar and leash on the dog, working some treats and working some training. And, um, you know, but we worked a whole bunch of different things. And by the end of about five minutes, I would say, maybe even less, the dog was literally sitting calmly and they were running the blender continuously and the dog would just sit there and, and focus. So one of the things that um, we thought that we would share with you today is sort of a similar setup for you guys to watch us work through with um, Beeline, who I see many of you are making comments about how cute and calm she is and how sweet she is. And how much she loves and me. And how much, you know, and she <laughs> is, she is cute and calm and sweet, but she's also had an immense amount of training, guys. Yeah. Tons and tons of training. Um, and one of the things that she probably doesn't look like she would do right now, but when, you know, there's motorized things happening, particularly uh, in our house, the vacuum, yeah. she gets super stimulated. So, and we've done a bit of work, so I, I don't know how crazy she's going to be, but I know she's going to react a little bit. With no further ado. Yeah, we're going to show you guys how to work through when your dog's really stimulated. Now, this isn't specifically for vacuum dogs. Right. I want you to take this information and I want you to apply it to other things that your dog it gets a little bit too overexcited about. And I want you to replicate some of the things that we're going to do with her. Before we do that, Coco, dropping the 999 oh, super Coco. chat. You know what I haven't done in a while? Thanks for the super chat. It's also really fun because I created that animation a while ago and I think it's uh, especially cute when Hippie Shake has a uh, confetti launch yes. in front of her face. It's also because she's so cute. She's very cute. Um, Coco asks, uh, thank you for the live. Our seven month old Ozzy always pees on my, oh, this is good. So always pees on my husband and other men pet him. Uh, he never does this to me. How, why does he do this and how can we fix this? So oh. submissive peeing. Let's talk about that because uh, Jitterbug. Uh, a dog that you guys really might not know if you watched our vlogs. I don't know if how many of you guys know we did vlogs. We did daily vlogs for a long time. Um, but if you've seen that, you may have seen Jitterbug. Let's talk about how to handle that submissive peeing mm -hmm. problem. Um, lots of times dogs will what we call submissively eliminate because the dogs are, you know, a little bit intimidated or overexcited and they end up um, piddling a little bit. Um, honestly, most dogs don't even know that they're doing it. So it's not something that we would ever suggest that you would correct or address like you would if they were, you know, full-fledged you know, peeing on your carpet or things like that. Um, but there are a couple things that you can do to make it a little bit easier for the puppy. Number one, try to suggest to the people who are greeting your dog to do it in a very calm and sort of unassuming manner. Um, also avoid um, having those people do a lot of bending over top of the puppy, especially too if it's men. Um, yeah. You know, guys tend to be bigger and a little bit more burly and, you know, not as soft in their approach to dogs do in some Gail. cases um and that can be a little bit over uh, a little bit intimidating for for some dogs if yeah. you see a big guy you know with big hands you know coming over top yep. so that can be a little bit much so having them just sort of keep upright even turn their body a little bit and yeah. expose their hand or for some dogs just get down a little bit lower without leaning um Outstretch your hand, let the puppy come to them rather than the other way around. That can really, really help. helpful for you, Coco. That's a, that's a, that's something that mm -hmm. we found very helpful for Jitterbug for sure. And don't allow your puppy to like roll over on their back and be super submissive in a yeah. lot of these situations. Ask that your dog sits in position and, uh, you know, slowly introduce that distraction. Mm -hmm. And try to remind people not to talk in that like high, maybe some men don't do this, but uh, talk in that high squeaky like, oh my God, look, your puppy, she's so oh. cute. Oh boy, a yeah. puppy. <laughs> 
And like a lot of people, they just talk to puppies like that. And like it's impossible for puppies to not go crazy or wiggle or flop yeah. over or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, so just be calm. Be calm, allow the puppy to have a brain. And, um, you know, a lot of dogs do naturally get better with submissive elimination as they get older, but there's lots of things you can do to help them now. With no further ado, I think it's time to head on over to the train What's station. happening right now? It just got really weird. I think you're weird. heading over to the train station. It just got weird. Okay, little B, what do you think? All right, you gotta plug that thing in, hun. I did. You did? Okay, so. This is going to be exciting. I'm going to put a collar and a leash on my lovely, adorable little Border Collie puppy here. Come here, babe. And uh, I have some really high value treats. So I actually have some chicken wieners that I have sliced up here. Oh, baby girl. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off by just working on some focus before we even bring in the extra element of the distraction. So um, my goal is that I'm able to have her sit and be calm while the vacuum is going. Now, if she's able to do that, I'm going to continue to yes and reward her, provided she's still sitting without me having to hold her tight. So I'm not going to be choking her up on the leash. My leash will be loose. But if for some reason she decides that, you know, biting the vacuum and attacking the vacuum, which is something she did a lot when she was first, you know, first with us, um, I'm not going to use food. I'm just going to place her into a sit get her calm, and then once she's more relaxed, then I'm gonna reintroduce food. What I don't wanna do is she's going crazy at the, um, at the um, vacuum, is to you know put food on her nose and teach her that if that behavior is gonna bring food. So I need to make sure that I have calm behavior before I'm doing that. Are you gonna help me or what? What's oh, yeah, going sure. on here? Yeah, I didn't know. Okay, so we have the vacuum. And this is in no way uh, because we had to vacuum out the studio. I don't want you guys to think that. Okay, so I'm just off. I'm just gonna start off by feeding her. Good girl. Yes, she's sitting. I'll turn her this way so you guys can see. Her leash is loose. I actually don't know how she's gonna react. She's super into these treats, so this might be a really boring demo if she decides this food's more exciting. Yeah. But you'll at least get to see the process. Okay, so I'm gonna have Ken turn it on. Yeah. Good girl. Good girl. Okay. Yes, good girl. Okay. Yes, good girl. Yes, good girl. So let's mark that for a moment because yes. that, this is one of the hardest parts for yeah. her. Yeah. So for her, she tends to be most excited when this thing comes out. Also, when she was a baby puppy, like we bred her, so she's. I've been with her since the day she was born. When she was a baby puppy and we would sweep up the playpen area, she would want to attack the, the um, what is this thing called? Broom. <laughs> it's like sweeper. What is that thing the, called? The swiver. Broom. Um, so she really, a good girl beeline, she really um, sort of associates that. So we're just going to sort of move around. She's making some fabulous choices here. I'm actually surprised. Okay. Yes. Good. Okay, that was really good. So I'm not sure if you saw it because you see what yeah, that happened really, really fast. So on a loose leash, she went. Oh, I just actually watched the replay. It was perfect. Uh, off, off, off. Um, what happened there is she thought about going, and then she self-resisted, and that's when I said yes, and I fed her. So I really wanted to take the advantage of 
seeing her make a really difficult choice to either go or not come back. Now, this could be going very, very different, guys, if I didn't have this with me. Yeah, this is important because I know people are going to be like, well, it's because you have food in your hand. Absolutely. That's, the point. <laughs> That's exactly the point. You really want to shift the value from attacking something. Blender, vacuum, sweeper, whatever Kale called it, uh, attacking that thing onto you. You really, and, and yes, we're using high value rewards right now so that we don't need to have food in our hands forever. Let's talk a little bit about transitioning away. Yeah, so I think we'll do now. I have uh, the foods behind me on the crate door there, but uh, I'm gonna have no food in my hand and I'm just gonna see what she does. Good girl, cake. Good girl. Yes. yes. Excellent. Good. Yes. Good girl. Yes. Yay. Good girl. Good. Okay, so she made one little slip up there. She went to go uh, jump at the thing. I, I reacted very quickly, and I placed her very quickly into a sit again. I didn't scream at her. I wasn't angry or nasty, um, and then I rewarded her. Now, one thing that I did that was a little bit sneaky there is when I fed her, if you go back and watch this, I took the food from the crate, and rather than feeding her like this, I fed her with her head pointing at the uh, vacuum because I want her to understand what she's getting the reward for. I could also reward her, not from the crate, but I could reward her from vacuum, bringing the food towards me, yes. And then I could reward her to bring the emphasism back towards me. Um, so that's sort of what you can do. And then from there, we could maybe switch locations. I could maybe not let her know that the food was out ahead of time. Um, you know, you could work through it from there. But um, that was very, pretty good progress. That's a very specific example. Let's look at a couple of other uh, impulse control exercises that these guys can do with their dogs that are a great way to burn off some of that energy. Yeah, do you want me to do that now? Yeah, if you can. Okay. So um, a couple other things that you can start to do to work on some impulse control exercises is start getting your dog to understand about how to leave distractions by choice. So this is a really, really simple exercise that we actually teach in our puppy classes. Um, and you can do it with any age of dog though. So if you, if you have an older dog and you've never done this, please don't worry about it. Uh, basically what you do is start with some food in a fist. And then you're going to simply put it in front of your dog and you're gonna open your hand completely exposing the food. Now, if your puppy goes to steal the food from your hand, before they can do that, you're going to close your hand really quickly and then you're gonna open it. And the way that this works is if your dog resists the temptation of having the food, which she's very excited about right now, they can uh, see the food and actually get the food. If they decide they're gonna grab at the food, we're gonna take that ability away and close our hand. Um, we do not give the dogs commands for this. We don't tell the dog to leave it. We allow the dog to make the decision and we call this little game, you decide. So I'm gonna put some food in my hand here and I'm gonna open it up, close it, open, close. So she's trying to jump at it. Yes, good. There, that time I opened it and she offered to sit. So I'm gonna let her have it. Open, close, open. Yes, good girl. Now that she started picking up on the idea, I'm gonna keep it a little bit uh, more exposed longer. Open, good, close, open. You don't need to say open and close, I'm just doing that to help you guys follow along. Yeah, yes, good girl, yes, get it, good girl. What I can then do is start to work on putting the food on the ground. So I might have her sit or lie down, I'm gonna put the food out and I would cover it. 
if she's not trying to go for it, I would expose it. Oops. Yes, get it. Good girl. And then I could toss it to her. Good girl. Come here. Let's try that again. Good. Yes, good girl. Put a little closer. Oop, just going to cover it if she goes for it. Yes, good girl, little bee. I'm going to put a little closer. Cover it if she goes for it. Good girl. So see how she's resisting the temptation? Yes. Now look at that. She chose to move herself away from the food into a sit. Yes, I'm going to feed her for that because she's trying. She's showing me that she can have self-control without just impulsing herself and going at the distraction that you, she wants. And she's learning, A, I'm in charge of the situation. I'm able to do it in a really light and fun manner without any corrections or being, you know, mean and nasty. I can do it in a really calm way. And then I can also transfer the same game to anything that she's distracted by. It could be another dog. It could be the cat. It could be the house line, whatever it is, I can transfer these types of games. Now, if, yes, good girl, that was one, very good. One, quickly, uh, Kristen uh, has a very important question. She says, are chicken wieners like chicken hot dogs? I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, but I've never heard the term chicken wieners before McCann dogs. <laughs> yeah, um, are, it's like hot dogs, but made of chicken rather than of pork or beef. Uh, it doesn't matter um, what, what, um, that's so funny what meat you use, but this happens to be chicken weeder. So yeah, that's what it is. That's hilarious though. Um, okay. The next thing I'm going to show you is, um, how you can do the same thing with a toy. So I want you just to show enough. B knows this game very well. She's a, a high level agility dog. So we have to do a lot of this stuff, but you'll notice if I take the toy and I wiggle it around, she's, oops, <laughs> you almost forgot for a second. She's not really going at it because she knows she's not allowed to grab it until I say, Okay, good girl. Now when I give her that permission, she can tug on it and she can be crazy. Good girl. And then when I want it back, out. Oops. Good girl. Good girl. So if she goes to go for it, the game stops. If she was to actually bite it, I would remove her from the toy. Good girl. Okay, get it. Yay! And then we do all kinds of really fun games to work on self-control. I might pull the toy from her mouth and then tell her, out, sit. Yes, get it. Good girl. And then I let her have a little game. Out, down. Yes, get it. Good girl. And we just work on listening and then getting to have fun. Out, left, good. Right, down, sit. Yes, get it. Woohoo! And then I can start to build in other games as we play. Good girl. Out. Down. Yes, good girl. Sit. Get it. Yeah, good girl. Okay. We play all kinds of these games uh, together. I don't need a ton of space. It tires her out, but it also really works on good listening skills. Yeah. Good girl. Okay. A couple of good questions in here. Um, and we've got a super chat from Ella Christopher that we can jump in in just a second. Um, these guys were wondering about the leash, uh, the cutting of the leash, what that meant, how okay. you did it. Maybe we'll cover that really quickly before we, excuse me, move on. Um, what that, that what that means. There? Maybe you can just uh, like slow motion show these guys because I know Dan, uh, lots of links. Uh, I said that uh, a few people had uh, questions about it. The other thing I want to point do out before we do it here we, or there. Yeah, maybe do. Uh, Hear me. Really Go there. Okay. Also, I get to use this and head on over to the train station. I did extremely fast, so. And that's important. It's important that I did it fast because dogs learn within one second. So if your dog's lunging and pulling for, you know, several moments before you address it, 
the information is sort of lost with the dog so it does need to be done very quickly so I'm gonna do it really slow right now so you guys can see so in a nutshell I would have the handle of my leash over the thumb of my right hand and the reason why we do that is typically we feed with our left hand because our dogs are typically on our left hand side what I would do is cut the leash in half with my left hand my right hand this this hand that has the loop in it would go down low on the leash just above the clip and then i would let go so i would be holding all of the leash in my right hand but holding it in a very specific way so i'll show you that one more time i cut the leash in half my right hand is going to go to the clip so i have good control my left hand is now free to control her back end and what i had done when she went for the vacuum is i cut my leash my right hand went to her collar and my left hand placed her into a sit. So I lifted up as I pushed her bum into position. And again, I'm using an equal amount of pressure on both sides. I don't wanna be cranking her neck up and I don't wanna be smashing her bum into the ground. That's not very nice to do. I need to make sure that my pressure is evenly distributed so that she's um, getting into the sit very quickly. But what's equally as important as me cutting the leash and placing her is you may notice that I put slack back in the leash right away. And I give her another opportunity to make a decision. I'm not gonna hold my dog here on a tight leash. She's not learning anything by me doing this so I know tight leash we always say to our students tight leash brain off so if my tight leash is here she's not thinking so I need to do my cut get the, her into that sitting position put slack in the leash and allow her to make a choice if she holds that position or she ignores whatever she's trying to go for I'm gonna reward her generously I'm gonna praise her with my voice and you know what a lot of untrained dogs will do is they'll just go right back to what they're doing and you're gonna go right back to placing them back and I assure you that if you continue to be consistent, a light bulb will go on and your dog will go, ah, I think you want me to, to hang out here. The other option that you could do is if it's too distracting, I could pull her further away and I could have her do a little bit of a sit further away from the vacuum or the other dog or good girl B. Okay, or whatever it might be. And I train my dogs that she is to hold position until I release her so I stay in control. Um, but my information is delivered very, very quickly. Good girl. Good. Kale's dropping knowledge, and Carol Courtney's dropping the 9.99 super chat. Wow. Thanks for the super chat. We'll have to Dan keep an eye out for her message. Um, I think she missed that one. Um, Ella's got a pretty common question, and it, it presents some challenges with answering these because there are so many things that go into it. But Ella uh, Christopher asks, "Thank you. My seven-month-old Australian Kelpie bites Girl. when he's excited, and I'm petting his back. I tried yelping and timeout. Are there suggestions on how to correct it?" So this is something that we, we uh, deal with a lot in our uh, puppy uh, essentials program because a lot of people struggle with the puppy biting. It's hard for me to give you really specific information uh, about your specific puppy. However, we have a, a whole playlist on the channel that is gonna be helpful for a few things. And actually in the not too distant future, you guys are gonna get a new puppy nipping video that'll be really, really valuable if you It'll have a puppy It'll be probably one problem. of the cutest puppy nipping videos we've done. Yeah, too. but uh, <laughs> that's that's coming up. Let's give her some, uh, maybe uh, a couple of things that uh, Ella can do to uh, either stop, I mean, not just address that puppy nipping, but try not to let it happen in the first place. Yeah, I think, um, uh, first of all, um, uh, just a couple things that I'll, I'll point out that what you're do why what you're doing is not working. Um, if your dog is excited and you are petting his back, that actually quite often eggs dogs on. So if they're a little bit excited and you're doing one of these, it 
aggravates the dog and, and actually causes the dog to be a little bit more excited. So if you want to praise your dog or pet your dog to calm them down, how you touch them is really important. You need to, you know, a stroke under their chin or the side of their cheek. That's a lot more calming than petting their back or patting the top of their head. Those two things stimulate dogs. And if you have a dog that's excited, we don't want to be touching them in that manner. Um, doing a Yelp again, is not, um, it's not really going to affect change with the dog. Um, you know, you do want to use some type of verbal reprimand of some sort, like an ouch marker. or a hey, or a, you know, uh, knock it off or something, whatever it, whatever you want to use is fine, but then you need to back that up with some type of appropriate discipline. Oh, um, I'm, I'm speaking everywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. What is going on? I don't know. My phone just started playing YouTube. <laughs> There's a ghost over there. Yeah, playing um, our show. <laughs> Anyways, you need to back up a certain discipline. And again, I'm, I'm not going to speak to the discipline right this second because there's a lot of variations and yeah. it, it depends on the dog. Yep. Um, and then I forget what the last one was because now it's gone. Um, that's okay. I think that was a good, that's a okay. really good starting point um, for her. Um, thank you. Uh, someone dropped a super chat. And I don't think, it might have been Carol. Let's see it here. Carol Courtney, if, uh, thank you for the super chat. Maybe it was just a thank you, but uh, we're happy to answer your question as well. So let us know in the... Uh, Norma Nelson, Norma I know Nelson. who that is. Norma, drop in the $5 super chat. Thank you. <laughs> Unless and there's we'll more Norma Nelsons in the world. And we'll keep an eye out for Norma's question. We need to get... Uh, so we've talked about impulse control exercises. The other thing that I noticed is I created all these fun things. Like the five things that we've talked about tonight, guys, just a quick refresher, or four things. Expectations, look at these. Aren't these nice? Leadership. Did you, did you not use them yet? I forgot to use them. Proactive, oh. reactive. I, I just remembered like the last one. Impulse control. And the next thing we're going to talk about is crucial for fixing any problems that you might have in your dog training. It's the three P's. Prepare, proofing, and practice. These are the three things that are going to solidify some of these behaviors. Actually, I just uh, it's something I've said before, but I wanted to mention it to you guys is when you're talking about the leash being tight. I, I like to like say things because I'll see I know it, what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I'll see say. it in the comments and I'll hear it back from you because for me, I love rhymes. I'm a, I'm a rhyminator. So uh, I want you to think at home when you're, uh, you know, replacing your dog, redirecting them. If the leash is tight, it ain't right. I don't think that's a good one. Huh? Take it home, guys. This is the one. Let me know in the chat if you guys think that's a great rhyme uh, to, <laughs> to follow. If the leash is tight, it ain't right. And then you'll know at that point that you need to put some slack back Mary in the leash. Mary H says bravo. Mary H, thank you for dropping the super chat. Come on. Okay, Come let's on talk about prepare, proofing, without trying to spit on the, uh, especially the camera, prepare, proofing, and practice. I'm going to put beeline here as a shield between your spit and me. Yeah, luckily um, we uh, cohabitate, so we won't <laughs> Meg have to Meg says, really... I mean, it's a rhyme. Thanks, Meg. You're on my, you're on my side. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I mean, Meg's a, a yeah, student. <laughs> I mean, that is a rhyme. Um, prepare, proofing, practice. Let's talk about that. Like understanding the value of it when you're trying to work through uh, a challenging skill, maybe something that's not going right. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the, the three P's, B, you're blocking my camera here. B, uh, the three P's. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that's really important to note is that, you know, training takes repetition. It does take a lot of practice. Um, but yeah. one of the things that we really believe in when we're teaching our dog to do, to do new things is to first teach them in a way that it's really hard for them to do it wrong. So we might, you know, include more food in our training or more guidance and more help. So it's like, you know, for the lack of a better word, like idiot proof for the dog. So it's like they really can do so well at it. But what a lot of people do is they go from that step 
to like testing the dog and expecting that the dog is going to be able to do it. So we have a little, um, can you just like sit instead of moving all around, Missy? Wait, um, we have a little middle part that we call proofing where we allow ourselves to prepare for upcoming problems so right. that we're ready to, to face them with good timing, with good information, rather than you know, getting out on the street and then a dog comes up and we think, oh gosh, we've never, we've never practiced this before. What do I do? Um, you know, or they greet a person on the street or whatever it is, you're ready for those things. So proofing do, is do you really guys, important. Do you guys know the difference between proofing and practice? Do you know what the, the difference for, for uh, you know, uh, in terms of training your dog, what the difference might be? I just want to kind of get a sense in the chat. Um, we'll see. We'll just wait a couple seconds and see if you guys can uh, nail it down. Um, and now that I've made you think long about it, when we're talking about <laughs> proofing, we're, we're, we're going to take a skill and we're going to add a bunch of challenges to it. So, for example, if it's a stay, maybe we're going to increase the d distance we're away or the duration that we're away from our dog. If we're walking on leash, proofing might be, uh, you know, walking in your house, then on the street. Um, uh, and then walking uh, with a distraction around, maybe it's another dog. Um, but you're in control. You're really setting up the situation so that you can rehearse this behavior by carefully, tactfully in increasing some of the challenge. Mm -hmm. Practice would be once you've done that, you've proved through a little bit, now it's just a, an opportunity to rehearse it. Yeah. You know you're likely going to be successful. Now it's time to practice through it. Proofing is very tactical on your part. And mm -hmm. this is what I want you to take home tonight. I guess you're at home. This is what I want you to take with you tonight is really understanding that, um, you know, this fifth element that we're talking about, the proofing uh, pre preparation and practice re is a really important part. If you're struggling with a skill, taking a step back, working on that skill, practicing it at a level where you can be successful, moving ahead, proofing it a little, yeah. a little bit, increasing the challenge, and then it's all in, in all of this can't happen without you being prepared. Yeah, like I can give you an example of like, um, there's all kinds of example, but like the easiest way to understand it, I think would be like teaching your dog to hold a sit stay, for example. We would first teach our dogs to sit stay in a quiet room with us standing like literally less than one foot away. And we would practice that continually until the dog was able to do it, you know, perfectly. Then from there, we might build distance. Um, and then we might build distraction. But how we build distraction would be very gradual because we want the dog to have a really high likelihood of being successful. So for example, we might have the dog sit stay. And then, you know, if I'm practicing with beeline, Ken might come over and he might have a ball in his hand and he might just show the ball to be he wouldn't like put it in her face and like make it really hard. He would just basically say, look, here's a ball here. And I can have a chance to reward her. And if she is able to do that, he might bounce the ball. You might bounce the ball 20 feet away and I could reward her for functioning under that. Then he might get closer. He might start rolling the ball. So it's not like you start with this and then all of a sudden you go for the big crazy thing and then you wonder why it's not working. You proof the dog by doing it very gradually so that the dog understands um, the expectation and you're able to move it um very move through those steps very gradually. We sort of have like a common thing that we have our students follow here and we don't allow our dogs to really make more than two mistakes at a time when we're training something so if we're working through something and we're proofing and our dogs are making a mistake making a mistake making a mistake we then say to ourselves okay clearly this is not good use of practice you know they say practice makes perfect but we like to say perfect practice makes perfect, yep. right? Um, so if it's not going well, then we need to switch things. Like maybe we lower the distraction. Maybe we cut the distance in half or I'm forgetting the third D. 
Dis distance, distraction. And duration. Duration. Thank you, sweetie. Um, you maybe we do it for a shorter period of time. Whatever it might yeah. be to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, because all of those three things can make it more challenging for your dog. I mean, the we three just sort of... D's and the three P's, guys, yeah. in dog training. Yes. Yeah. There's there's a rhyme there. And the um, three B's. Um, I, I think it's really important that you do. I can identify that an alt tiny alteration for your dog because they're so situational can be a completely different picture. I mean, it's just. Uh, um, Okay, that's it. She'll shorten it. Norma, um, if you don't get a chance to answer your question, I want you to email me. Go to the website and email me. Um, either way. Um, but, I can uh, also watch for it if she wants to just put it there. Okay, for sure. Um, now, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, when when you're struggling, when you have nuisance behaviors specifically, um, we'll often <laughs> ask questions like, you know, what are you doing with your dog outside of the time that you're training? Or when you're you know, when you're supervising, what are you doing with them? And we know that a uh, exercise dog or a tired dog yes. is a well-behaved so dog. So many dogs do not get enough exercise. 100%. And that's one of the main reasons why they have all this pent-up energy and they react poorly is because they are not getting enough stimulation. Yeah, and, and uh, for so many dogs, a walk isn't enough. Like taking them for a walk, no. that's not enough exercise. So for those of you who have stuck here until the end of the live stream, we have a Pretty cool announcement for you. And I know that Mandy Light has actually taken advantage of this because we announced this to our uh, uh, life skills students that were uh, like nearing the end of their course because we have a new course uh, featuring a very special person that's going to be excited. available to you guys. Do you want to drop, some of, the, uh, drop yeah. some of the data on that? Drop some of the info? Yeah. So the new uh, course that we're going to be launching is called um, Reliable Retrieving for um, Fun and Exercise. So what's going to be really cool about this class is it's going to um, consist of a bunch of games and exercises that you guys can play with your dogs at home with very limited equipment um, where you can learn how to properly and safely exercise your dog, build a nice bond, and just, you know, have something fun that you can do with your dog. Now, um, we're super excited to announce um, the main instructor of this course, and her name's Carol Lawrence. She's one of our longtime instructors, but she also happens to be a five-time uh, world champion of Five-time world dog. champion. Yes, so. I'm not even that good at anything, <laughs> let alone being a world champion, let alone being a five-time yes. world champion. So obviously, Obviously, she has a lot of experience in teaching retrieving and games and you know this course isn't necessarily specifically about disc dog and if you're interested in getting into disc dog and frisbee absolutely this course is yeah, for you 100%. but if you're just you know a fun loving family person with your dog at home and you just think gosh it would be really nice to like do something with my dog and keep them busy and keep them excited this uh, really can be for every uh, anybody um, and Carol's designed the course so that dogs even um, I wrote four times <gasps> I was wrong you I took away one world championship from her that is not cool um, this is this course has been specifically designed for dogs as young as four months to be able to take it um, so you'll be able to you'll be able to take Take it from there. Um, Pause two seven one. Thank yes. you for the super chat. Um, so this is I like this. So go ahead, continue on. Maybe you can talk about. Uh, I don't know whether you've covered some of the stuff that you wanted to cover. What's kind of what's important that you guys know right now is that there's a limited amount of opportunities mm -hmm. to be in this because this is our this is the first time that we're launching this and yeah. we're keeping it pretty exclusive yeah so let's talk about that yeah we're only going to open it to about uh, 20 students um, but we have reserved a few or several extra spots 
for those people who are currently, um, who have finished our life skills program or are getting towards the end of the life skills program. So um, if you're one of our students and you're nearing the end of your program, don't worry, we've set aside some um, for you. Um, but for everybody else, we're just limiting it to 20 people so that um, Carol is able to um, give her guidance in, in the best way to everybody. Um, the course is a five week course, uh, but you get four months, three months, four months, three months, crap. What is it? Three months. Where's my notes? Three months right there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, five weeks. Uh, five weeks, three months to do it. Um, you'll be able to upload videos for review. Um, and also Carol is going to be doing a weekly Zoom call with everybody to um, talk about, you know, different things in, um, in regards to disc dog or retrieving or some of the games that she's going to be um, training. Some of the games actually don't have anything to do with retrieving. It's simply about right. exercising your dog and giving you giving you some tactics to do that. Yeah. Um, so we've dropped a link. So if you're interested in, in um, being put on the list for that, um, we again... We are um, doing a very limited amount of spots. The life skills program is not a prerequisite. I see somebody's um, asking for that. But there are prerequisites. Like we, you know, not like, uh, or, or at least some suggested skills. Yeah. Because I this would... isn't, you know, this is, this is sort of, uh, because this is our first time launching, it's really important that we get the right dogs in this program. We want to open this up a little bit more to people that, so uh, life skills isn't absolutely mandatory, but you do need to have a little bit of control. Let's talk about that, why that might be important. Yeah, so what we don't want people to do is sign up for this class thinking that you're going to get an all-encompassed, all you know, dog training, walking on leash, you know, recall. Our life skills program is definitely towards basic obedience and making sure that you have a really well-behaved dog by the end of it. Um, it's not a prerequisite to take it, but it's, it's highly suggested um, but you don't have to take it I saw someone else has asked that they're not quite done um, their their life skills program and will this be offered again uh, yeah we hope so we're hoping that this this course is going to be here to stay um, but in terms of getting in in the first bit um, obviously it's we want people to get in now if they can um, what else I think we've told them almost everything that they need to know about I think it. so um, yeah. there is a uh, so if I put this up where to go if I put this up, you can uh, point your camera at it. This is kind of fun. I just did this because it's cool. But you point your camera at the QR code and it will take you there. Or visit mccandogs.link slash discdog yes. if you guys want to have an opportunity to get in on the pre-sale for that. Now, if you're a life skills uh, student, you will have probably been notified. Or if you're uh, later in the program, you'll have been notified about this. So we are reserving some spots for our online students. Yeah. So don't be afraid. And if you are like a puppy uh, essential student or something, make sure you reach out to us if this would be something that you're interested in because, uh, you know, we'll sort of figure out whether it's you're ready for this Kind of yeah, we'll right have, um, does uh, Dan have the link to drop for this? Uh, he does, yeah. I think he's dropped it a couple times. Um, right on cue. Like he, and I'm, there's a tiny bit of a delay. And as Kale was saying that, <laughs> it's amazing. lots of links loot and drop the disc dog and spot the bot found it. Absolutely, yeah. It says, um, I disc dog, uh, you'll see under it, I'll fetch it for you. There's the link that you can get put on the list. And uh, hopefully you'll be one of the first 20 people to get in. It's going to be yeah. super exciting. Oh. Um, I always have fun with Carol. Like it's just, yeah. so, she's so interesting and like she's, she's a had so super much creative dog trainer. As you well. maybe didn't know this, but if you've seen any of our disc dog videos or like any videos with Carol about exercise, um, she actually had had she accomplished gotten a world championship with Thorpe before she found out he was deaf. No. So she had a she had an adult no. uh, border collie that went deaf. Um, you know, had an issue and he went deaf. She was training with him, playing with him one day, and she thought just something just isn't right. She went and got him tested, found out he's entirely deaf. She 
figured he out. He became deaf. He became deaf. Early onset yeah. deafness. She figured out how to continue training with that dog mm. to a point where they could become world champions. Yeah. Like, it's just sort of that amazing engineer mind yeah. that she's got. She's accomplished that, that, a lot. Yeah, it was really, really mm -hmm. uh, awesome. And you'll get a chance to work with her, you know, that sort of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you uh, end up in, uh, you know, our, our Fetch program. So... Uh, opportunity for you guys. Yeah, um, somebody's asked is how do I, I teach my dog to catch? Um, we're going to go over all of that in the program. Yeah. Um, she'll even do a little bit on teaching how to throw a frisbee if that's something that you're interested in. Um, but yeah, you'll learn all kinds of fun games in, in uh, regards to retrieving and just basic exercise your dog. Um, McCann's were, were pretty um, sticky about like safety and things like that. So we're also going to go over a couple other things that's important for you to know when exercising your dog to make sure that the dogs aren't going to get hurt and that they you know, their well-being is at the utmost um, importance yeah. to us. Um, and then I saw a couple other questions about our life skills and puppy essentials program. So just quickly, our life skills program is for dogs four months and older. And we work on all kinds of basic obedience skills so that they become just more well-mannered. Um, we talk about, you know, if, if you like the train station, then... Um, literally what we do today you have access to asking us questions yeah. every day yeah. <laughs> that's sort of yeah. what the program is about yeah. we give you an uh, um, a eight-week program with you know videos to to follow through but it's not just that it's very fully supported so that you can ask us questions we can review videos we have weekly um, zoom calls we have all kinds of things it's very very um very involved um, and you know you have people hand-holding the entire way helping you through with your puppy uh, with your dog and then we have a puppy course similar to that for puppies um, four months and younger called puppy essentials I like uh, Bonnie's question and it's so funny because I forget this sometimes that people just really don't know what they can expect of their dog and she yeah. asks can corgis learn to fetch absolutely absolutely yeah I we... know many beautifully fetching corgis yeah yeah corgis, um, corgis. We, we have we have so many different uh, breeds in our our, in our like in class as well as in our, in our online training yeah. that you know I think people one of the best parts about dog training is discovering that you can get so much more from your dog than you would have ever imagined. That's definitely the impact that it had on my life. Damn. You know, not really knowing what to expect mm -hmm. um, and then realizing this is amazing. I mean, with my dog, I went from my vet saying like. I don't know if she should come back, you know, go for training, um, to a point where I was running agility with Deegan, my black lab, in front of, like, thousands of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I was doing, like, scent discrimination stuff with her. Like, I was doing these very technical things that a couple of years prior, I would have never imagined mm. were possible. So it's it's all about that foundation, getting that foundation yeah. of understanding, but it's also about figuring out how to communicate with them. And a huge part of that is, you know, uh, having that dog trainer say like, oh, this, here's what, here's what I noticed. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing that you need to recognize so that you can recognize it the next time. So a, a course, like a fetch course is an amazing way to speed up that process, to really get those tips and pointers that are just right for your dog. And people often say, you know, I walk my dog and like they're still so crazy yeah. and they get so excited. You know, if your dog has an outlet and they, you have an opportunity to get them tired every day um, in a way that builds your bond and your relationship with one another, you're going to find that your training is just so much better. You know, we don't want to be just doing mindless things where we show up to a park, take the leash off and then sit on our phone as our dog runs around the park and forgets that we exist. I mean, maybe you want to do that, but that's not what we have a dog for. We yeah. want a dog to do stuff with and spend time with, and we want a really deep connection with our dogs. They are 100% part of our family. Um, and I literally would not 
be sane with my dogs if they didn't retrieve. <laughs> like that's something that we do every, almost every single day to kind of, um, yeah. you know, keep them uh, relaxed. I saw a really funny question. I saw an important question. <laughs> Kristen, oh. is this how you guys met? I don't know if met? we have enough time History for this, time, Kristen. everybody. <laughs> let's all kick back and let's talk about how uh, we met. We did meet through the dog school. Ken was a student, I was a teacher, and everyone thinks, oh, student, teacher, blah, 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 blah. But it actually didn't happen that way. When Ken and I Hold met- Hold on one second. I want to welcome Jamie Gamble, Catherine Campbell, Wendy Springate to the Disc Dog Course. Ah! I'm excited to see you guys there. Nice. Um, I'm really excited. And Stacey Maynard. Those uh, from are life um, a lot of our Life Skills program yeah, very cool. students. Pumped That's to see you guys. awesome. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, well, I kind of did. You did. Anyway. He likes to interrupt me. I do. Anyways, when we met, Ken was actually in a relationship and I was in a relationship, but we just were like really good friends. We've actually known each other for mm, 13, no, 13 years. Same age as Funky. I met you and I got Funky. Um, For like 13 years, but we uh, didn't start dating until like, I don't know, how many years later? Ken, you should know all of the Sorry, dates I'm off getting my heart. Messages and, um, I don't know. We started dating uh, I mean, in I know. 2011. I just want to know if you know. Whatever. She actually, doesn't even remember. He's that. actually way better at, at dates and anniversaries than I am. Uh, anyways, we've been we've been dating for like seven or eight years, and we've been married for one year. We got married last year. Um, but Dan says, of course, Kayla knows based on when she's yeah. got fun. Everything in my life is based around my dogs and my dogs' birthdays. That's true. Anyways, so yeah, we met through the dogs. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, it, I mean, that dog changed my life. It's funny when you look back and you're like, wow, you know, think he about He went the to dog that, school. It yeah. changed his life and he left with a wife. Yeah. <laughs> There's a rhyme That's for you. That's a huh? rhyme. That's so fun. <laughs> Way to go, guys. I feel like we did this together. And Kale, of course. But I accomplished this. Because of your help. Oh, my God. Um, a couple huge thank yous for tonight. Now, this uh, this program, remember, there are limited spots. So if you are interested, definitely check it out. I want to say a huge thank you to OVP, Caroline, Maya, uh, uh, Kovacek, um, Julia, Caroline, Betsy, C. Ellis, Pause 271, Coco, Ella Christopher, Carol Courtney, Norma Nelson. Norma, send, a, send us an email. Um, Mary H. and Pause 271. Again, thank you very much for the super chats. We really do appreciate it. And, you guys help uh, the train station be so much fun, you know. Yeah, we love doing this. We love we love having fun up. and joking around, but we also like to be able to, you know, deliver you guys really good content to help you, you know, better better you and your dog's life and build your relationship and give you guys lots of fun things to do. And we hope that you join us online so that we can see you more than once yeah. every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, the other thing, the other person we need to thank is lots of links, Luton. You guys have been, he's been lighting it up in the chat, hasn't he? Like he's just been going crazy dropping. And I think, he's the LOL. Yeah. And he's also passing it along to Spot the Bot, which is, uh, which is pretty uh, cool. He's had but a lot of dorky for, jokes for, tonight. For Thunder Dragon. Just for you. Um, on that note, if this is your first time on the channel, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button because we're publishing new videos every week to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. I want to thank you guys for joining. I've had so much fun. It's just been a blast. I look forward. You're gonna. She's gonna cut my hair, guys. If by the next video, I might be shaving. I have a shaved head. I'm gonna do we'll it in see. the night when you're sleeping. Oh no, this doesn't sound good. On that note, I'm Ken. I'm Kale, and have, that's Beeline. Happy training, guys. Bye for now.